to episode 85 of the 25 Live. My name is Jim Bernica. My special guest this week is Delbert Crush. Now, Delbert was with the 82nd Airborne, and he ended up having to leave the military uh, because he was diagnosed with a form of MS. So he was wheelchair-bound for a few years, and then he participated in Save a Warrior. And that kind of, uh, I guess, woke him up uh, spiritually, mentally, and physically to where he actually got out of that wheelchair. And he's actually been riding his bike all over the place. He did the tour Flow Ohio uh, last year where he went from Tallahassee, Florida to Save a Warrior in Ohio. And this coming year, he'll be doing the tour Flow Cal, uh, riding his bike from, again, Tallahassee, Florida, all the way to Malibu, California to the Save a Warrior there. So without further ado, let me get out of the way and we'll bring Delbert in. All right. Well, welcome to the show, Delbert. Thank you for being here. Uh, happy afternoon to you. Hey, it's good to be here, Jim. I appreciate you, brother. Oh, man. So you got a, quite the story to tell. So how about we just get into it? Let's, if you don't mind, um, I guess probably start with the whole military. You know, how active were you? And then kind of where did things go off the rails there, if you don't mind? Uh, I, I enlisted in 2004. My service spanned in 2012. I was medically retired with muscular dystrophy, and I'm a combat veteran of Afghanistan. Um, it was in 2007, serving uh, in support of OEF-7 in Afghanistan, that I had become symptomatic and noticed some stuff going wrong with my health. I was followed by a battalion surgeon uh, over a period of several months that checked the progression of my health and uh, deemed it fit to medevac me to, to see what was going on. And I was diagnosed with a form of muscular dystrophy, which that ultimately led to the demise of my uh, potential career in the military um, and uh, getting a medical retirement out after a decade. So how old were you then? Oh, man, let's see. I must have been... My medical retirement would have been at about 29 years old. Okay. 29 years old. I don't think, correct if I'm wrong, this wasn't the plan. I mean, you, you know, you're all of a sudden kind of thrust into regular life without a career with an ailment. Yeah. So it is definitely a turbulent experience. I think anybody, uh, whether it's military first responder or even civilians, when, when we uh, experience these game changers in life and we, we get this uh, impeded by health or whatever it is that severs something that we're passionate about and having to transition, uh, it throws some stress into life. I definitely didn't have a plan B in place because uh I was pretty adamant about being a, a career soldier. I enjoyed my job um, and, you know, it, it had other stressors that come with it because I had a family and so a wife and children and um, still not really understanding what was going on with my health and feeling stabilized. And I was undergoing a lot of invasive procedures and looking at experimental stuff to, to try to stabilize and uh, not realizing that, for the next decade, my health was still going to to, to deteriorate uh, over that that point of time, uh, whereas receiving uh, infusions of other people's antibodies and uh, having thoracic surgeries and uh, things like that, it just ultimately led to 
extreme fatigue and paralysis, uh, which left me relying on a, a wheelchair and with paralyzed hands where um, I, I didn't have functionality and mobility to do things like tie my own shoes, button shirts, use silverware, um, you know, and I had in-home healthcare and stuff coming to my house to aid me. Um, so long story short, uh, all, all that stress, what happened for me, um, you know, I, I was dealing with some post-traumatic stress issue stuff and uh, I wasn't dealing with it well. And uh, so I ended up divorcing. I, I lost my family in the process of uh, dealing with this stuff because of my mismanagement there, um, which left me heavily reliant on a lot of other services because of the handicaps and stuff that I had also. So. How long uh, or at what point did you end up in, you know, wheelchair bound um, between the time you retired and, and then the time you're in a wheelchair? Yeah, so I, I began using a wheelchair in service uh, when I was still on active duty. I was issued okay. my first ultralight wheelchair um, and then post service, the, the VA tries to upgrade uh, the wheelchairs. We'll, we'll see a kinesiologist, the, the troops that have uh, amputees or necessity uh, from ailment or something to, that needs a wheelchair. So they do that every three to four years where they'll prescribe you a new chair because it's easier for them uh, to do that. And I, I guess more costly than what it is to repair outdated chairs. And regarding, you know, your PTS, were you able to talk to anybody about that? Um, or is it just something you kind of just really dealt with and, and kind of, it was internalized? So, that, that was tricky for me because um, a lot of, in my, in my service time, I spent more time away from home than what I did with my family. So my communication with my wife was really fractured to begin with. Um, and, um, and after separating from service, uh, in that time, which was 2012 for me, and transitioning from Fort Bragg, North Carolina, back to my home of record in Florida, um, the VA where I was, they were a bit overwhelmed with uh, patient the doctor ratios, and uh, they didn't have a lot of openings for one-on-one uh, -on -one counseling or doing anything intense. Uh, so I would get in groups where I could fit in, uh, sometimes for me, that looked like, and this is going to sound a bit awful, but I didn't have drug or alcohol issues, but I found myself going to Narcotics Anonymous meetings and Alcoholic Anonymous meetings to sit in those uh, because there was good information being put out in them. And I needed connection and grounded somewhere. And they, they would talk a lot about other issues also, sleep habits, relationships, and things like that. Uh, sometimes going there, being able to connect with other veterans and hear other people's problems gave me a little hope at the time that my problems weren't the worst of them also. Um, and it's kind of sad to say, but I, I tried to optimize and utilize what was available. Uh, there, there wasn't that much available, and I found myself even paying out of pocket to receive outside counseling outside of the VA at uh, some points. Um, 
And I, I pulled in a lot of information over the years about what was going on with uh, my sleep habits and compartmentalizing and uh, mood instability and uh, all the things that was going on. But diagnoses kept rolling in. People were throwing pills at me. And um, I wasn't really trying to medicate myself uh, the way that I seen it. If I couldn't crawl into uh, a bag of dope or a bottle of alcohol uh, to fix my problem, I certainly shouldn't be doing it in a pill bottle. Uh, and I, I guess that I could see how these things could help temporarily if somebody's in duress, but I just didn't want to build this dependency and rely on something to correct something that I, I think I have the innate ability to correct with understanding. So it took me a while to, to get there and make sense of all of it and put this puzzle together, but uh, that's what it looked like for me. Okay. At, uh, at what point did uh, Save a Warrior, uh, you know, come to you? When was the first time you heard that or realized that was actually a thing? So uh, the really cool part, I, I was a, a, a fister forward observer in the Army. Uh, and I have uh, one of my peers who's my best friend. He's an Ohio resident. And um, we've maintained like this organic relationship post-military where we talk back and forth and he stumbled upon Save a Warrior first. He's the one that pointed me in that direction. And um, so I got rostered uh, in 2018. Um, but I had some uh, other things going on with family litigation and stuff like that. And I wasn't able to get placed in a cohort until 2019. Uh, to me, timing was everything with having ongoing court proceedings and stuff like that. Um, that I really wanted to have the ability to focus on my wellness and what my intent was with Save a Warrior. Um, so it just everything fell into place right where it needed to be. And I was able to focus on me when I went in October, 2019. And, um, you know, it's, it's all been uphill from there. So Florida guy coming to Ohio, I got to tell you, usually it's the opposite way. <laughs> all right. That's what I'll be in, in June. But anyways, uh, go ahead and talk about, if you don't mind, like your experience at Save War, you know, at Saul. So my experience is a little bit different than what maybe the modern experience would be. Back in 2019, it was five days and 120 hours uh, that we, we would go to this IIR. And uh, it's an integrated intensive retreat uh, is what they would call it. And um, we went there. My, we had a cohort of 13 people. Uh, we had one witness in the seat with us. There's myself and uh, 12 other guys. And uh, just really, really intense work. When I mean intense, I mean, we're, we're getting up in Adams at 6 a.m. in the morning and probably not shutting down till 10 or maybe even midnight on most nights. And all of it is pretty class-based uh, and learning uh just a, a curriculum about self, being able to, to sit with our own emotions and process trauma. They integrated some equine therapy, some ropes, uh, some mandala work, and 
uh, different group activities and stuff that we done over the course of those five days. And um, then we was able to uh, watch a few movies and pull them apart and uh, discuss, have in-depth discussions about those. And uh, it, it was really an introduction uh, to, to everything that was going to come afterward. And I tell people all the time, like, you'll, you'll get out of it what you put into it. I just knew that to me, I, I heard this spiritual awakening of the educational variety and that stuck for me because I had spiritual problems prior to going in there. Um, and, you know, a part of me clicked going through there and I just didn't give up on the work. I really leaned in hard. And uh, I think the, the results of my experience are uh, directly reflective of my efforts, you know, so. So you're there five days, 13 other people there with you. I imagine, you know, you still have all those relationships to this day. Is that, am I right about that? Yeah, so I definitely stay in touch with them. Not only not only with my cohort guys, but the continuum of care in general, uh, the the ability to um, to go back and shepherd the other cohorts or to be an ambassador for the program, and just getting to know the alumni base, which I believe there's like sixteen hundred uh, personnel that's been through already. So it, it's really a it's a small community, but it's pretty big on a, a personal level as you're getting to know everybody. So you get back home, you know, what is that? I mean, I got to, it sounds like from an, and you're the first, third person I've had on a show that's, that's been there. So, uh, I mean, I imagine your just, your outlook on things are just different when you get home and you have a different mindset and just, you know, kind of take me through getting home and, and uh, almost hitting the reset button. Yeah, I, I don't know. I had solid guidance coming home because I, I really had just the, the shepherds that were at our cohort. Like we had all the who's of who's there and I had really solid guidance coming home. I knew that I was going to ride this high from feeling the connection with the 12 other guys in my cohort, the experience that I had and that I'd start coming down off of that. Um, but it, it was really up to me is to how steep that drop was going to be uh, based off the level of work that I continued to do through the, the meditation, the warrior meditation that they taught, uh, submersing myself in curriculum and following up reading uh, the, the Saul reading list and really uh, submersing myself into books uh, and leaning into the gravity of my own work. So the drop off wasn't that bad. Uh, I noticed with our cohort, communication started fading uh, a little more as time went out, but it never ceased. Like, I still reach out to our guys, and they reach out to me. Um, so that's amazing. Like I said, you just establish new relationships. It's a really resourceful place. Um, it, it, it's a good place, too, because people communicate healthily, you know, because they, they come from similar places or they have a similar understanding. So we talk a little funny and we get a little loud at times, but that's, uh, you know, that's the, the nature of the beast. And um, it, it's been a, a beautiful thing, I guess, beyond Saul, things got worse before they got better in terms of my health, uh, because 
so when I went through Saul, I still had paralyzed hands. My fingers were hyperextended and I couldn't like bend them. So I had my cohort brothers were actually helping me tie my shoes and fix my plates and stuff. And they knew that I had uh, limitations, uh, but nobody really pitied or played around that. They just tried to aid where they could. Um, I come home, I end up getting, uh, what it, Bell's palsy. Uh, so half my face was paralyzed for like a month and uh, I, I made it through that and regained all my function and stuff there, which is worrisome with having the muscular dystrophy. And then I come down really, really ill right at the, the beginning of COVID. And I believe it was COVID, but we didn't have testing and stuff around then. Um, and beyond that, everything shifted in a major way where I was just out one day and I went to pick something up and my fingers bent and I was able to grab it. And I was just like, this is amazing, you know? And um, then everything else changed. My energy levels, the way that uh, I pursued life, um, it, it was just that awakening, you know? And uh, from there, it's like, I'm gonna do the most with it. I bought a bicycle and just started getting healthier and healthier. So the the change in your mental ad attitude affected is your physical abilities. Is that fair to say? I think so, Jim. I, and I, 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 I like to think that it's a little more than that. I, I'd say that because there, there's definitely a, a big difference in the mental, emotional, spiritual. Uh, but the fact that I was working on all three of those, um, areas of my life definitely revealed itself uh through the physiological portion right that's that's amazing so you're going from i mean wheelchair bound can't close your hands um and months later and you've been that like that for a couple of years and now you're getting a bicycle yeah yeah it is a big game changer and and not only are you you're not just riding around the block. You set some goals for yourself. Pretty impressive goals. Why don't you, if you don't mind, talk about your uh, your Flohio ride, which I love the name. Yeah, I, we'll, we'll attribute that to our saw brother, Emery. Um, but so when I, I bought a bike, it, it was just an idea. You know, I, I had seen other people in the Sable Warrior community that were uh, cycling and doing endurance stuff. Um, and, you know, each cohort is a unique experience of its own in terms of which movies or which books they peck at first. Um, and then the, the men's cohorts are separate than the, the female's cohort. So the, the hero's journey is a little bit different than the heroine's journey. And, um, I don't know. I watched this movie uh, called Wild by Reese Witherspoon, right? And she sets out on this amazing trek. And I'm like, I like to do something like that, but I'm a little bit beat up as a, a old paratrooper, man. Like them jumps took their toll on my knees and backs and stuff. So I was like, I'm not sure that hiking across the country is a thing for me, but something low impact, like getting a bike. Uh, I purchased a bike and I went out on a ride and just started with like, three miles here, five miles there, uh, a couple weeks into it is like 10, 15 miles here and there, a couple more weeks and I'm riding 30 some odd miles. So um, I end up 
riding some people at Sable Warrior and I was like, hey, I'd like to ride my bicycle up to Newark, Ohio. You know, I just got a bike and like, I just like do a trek across the country and meet you guys. And, um, you know, it, it got a little bit of attention and um, I ended up riding with uh, Nicholas Hale. Uh, he's, he's another veteran that I served with and also saw alumni. And he was really supportive to this thing that I wanted to do and uh, try to figure out how to make it his own also. And uh, we set out together and uh, we supported by another Saul brother, Trey Perez, who drove a chase vehicle for us. We decided to turn it into a fundraiser to be able to try to raise money uh, for these seats so that other veterans and first responders could experience the same thing we had and also simultaneously raising awareness as we navigated across the country. And that turned out to be really effective for us. Uh, <clears throat> so last September, we cleared 805 miles over 17,000 feet of elevation across 10 states, uh, just stopping at fire departments, correctional facilities, National Guard, armories, police stations, you name it. And uh, sharing the gospel of Save a Warrior Man and uh, getting funding up and I, I think we raised something near $15,000 last year and uh, is amazing, but it took its toll on me. I, I say it was, uh, is a challenge, it is definitely a challenge. It took me about three months to recover coming back because of all the dietary changes and the stuff that I was going through with my muscles, but it was well worth it. So this year <laughs> you have the brilliant idea of I want to do three times the length of Ohio and I want to go to California, which I was just there last week. It, that does sound nice, but you're going to ride your bicycle from Florida to California. The, the flow cow ride, which I like that name too. It, it's scary when you say it that way, Jim. I, well, shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean it to be scary. I think it's impressive as can be. Cause again, here you are just a little bit ago, you're in a wheelchair. And now, I mean, 2,400 miles. That's insane, dude. That is so awesome. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing. And it, I mean, the, the fear um, is respectively right where it belongs. Um, I just haven't been one that's ever strayed from pursuing fear. Uh, I've, I've written and tried to theoretically think about my condition response to fear a lot, uh, because I was scared of heights, but I was also a paratrooper and, you know, having 42 jumps, jumping out of planes, knowing that I'm going to get nauseated and throw up in a bag every time I get on this airplane. Um, it was never about not jumping or not doing what was expected and what I was trained to do uh, is just more of conditioning myself to, to face that fear time and time again. And the fear never changed, but my condition response changed to the fear, if that makes sense. So I'm pursuing this uh, next trip kind of the same way. It's really ambitious. Uh, yeah, being three times the distance, like 2,300 miles. Um, this time, <clears throat> A lot has changed uh, because we had a subcommittee that uh, come together uh, that's all saw alumni base and uh, everybody's given and the, the way that they know how. Um, and, 
you know, last year we took a deficit. We had three sponsors last year on tour for Ohio. We raised $2,500 to be able to help us with fuel and lodging as we uh, journeyed across the states. And we ended up having like a $2,500 deficit at the end of that that I ate. Um, so it's expensive. And this year, I just talked about the finances of what will be needed to, to do this. And we come together. I believe to date we have uh, 21 sponsors for this trip. We've uh, generated $15,200 to date to cover the operational costs. Uh, we have other things that are coming together to, to be able to help with the, the funding for the lodging and fuel uh, to and from. And uh, we got more people that are going with us to support. Uh, we got more people engaged in public relations and establishing events in these states with the alumni base and communities as we go. Um, and it, it's just been a really, really beautiful thing to watch unfold. And you know, it, it all started just from being given this divine intervention and this grace, uh, these restored abilities to be able to, to pedal a bike and uh, to be in gratitude with that, to be thankful for the ability and just sharing that with others and how this is manifested in this community to watch so many other people get theirs out of being of service uh, to this organization that gave it all back to us and continues to give it all back to veterans and first responders. Um, that it's our way of being of service and uh, getting healthier uh, building better bonds and working together. And um, yeah, so I'm excited to hit the road in September and we, we have a goal of trying to raise half a million dollars for Save Warrior this year. That's awesome. Yep. That's a great story. So September. So when are you going to start training then for that? Already, already. I, I train. I mean, I see the bike day. in the background even. Yeah, that, that's Liberty back there. So uh, she's got a name. I call her Liberty. And uh, that is a 2020 uh, Trek domain SL5. It was not a for me. I think she's about $3,700. Um, this year, I bought a new bike who I named Grace. Uh, Grace will be a, a blue Pinarello Paris. Uh, that is also 11 speed road bike. Um, and that's the one I, I made some modifications with the frame size and stuff like that, just to figuring out it, it's a live and learn situation. You spend 800 miles pedaling a bike on the road. And I pedaled about 450 uh, prior to going into uh, tour of Ohio training. I was like, if I can hit half the miles going in, I know that I can break the other half on the other side. So um, I, you know, I haven't really stopped training. I took three months off to be able to recover after a tour of Ohio. After that, I still ride my bike uh, a couple times a week and my training will progressively uh, tighten up as I get closer to September where my rides become longer. Uh, I make fluctuations in my diet and stuff like that because there's a lot of unique things with it uh, for me. And I, I can't, I can't give dietary advice to, to people on what works. I know for me, uh, because I, I still have muscular dystrophy and it's amazing that it can be controlled uh, just through the, the other nature of work that I'm doing. I have this physical output, but 
I have that ability because of how I lean into my emotional, mental, and spiritual health on a daily basis and the practices that I put in place. Um, and physically, like I just stack on a ton of carbs. I'm like, if I can keep those glycogen banks full, I know it's going to prevent uh, muscle deterioration and damage and stuff. It's probably not good for the long run looking at diabetes and stuff like that. But for the short run, as I said, there's, there's, give and take and uh some of the decisions i have to make to, to get the output to do things but that's awesome so where can uh where can the listeners go and and see what you're doing and, and make donations and and kind of be supportive of of your ride the the flow cow ride yeah so right now um the, the best way to get updated is through Facebook. We have a, a, a page called Tour FlowCal. It's F-L-O-C-A-L uh, with Tour in front of it. And um, on there, they can currently donate through a mobile app that is pinned at the top of the page uh, that, that goes directly to Save a Warrior. Uh, and I believe we've raised nearly $1,000 to date um, on that application. Um, Within 40 days of um, the, the tour starting in September, we'll open an actual Facebook fundraiser for them. Uh, so we'll use the mobile app and the Facebook fundraiser so that we're not collecting money. The money goes directly to Saul and it's tax exemptable uh, to those that are donating. Um, and you know, the only, the only thing we'll have to do is when we're, we're going through these events and speaking engagements along the way after donations received that we'll get those connected with uh, Sable Warrior staff. Nice. I think it's important to note that um, when you attend Saul, it doesn't cost you anything. So everything you're raising is basically paying for that, that person to be able to go there for those days and, and, you know, go to that retreat the only time, correct me if I'm wrong, the only time, the only thing you're paying for is getting there. Yeah, that, that's my understanding of it, Jim. Uh, I think in some cases, there, there are even uh, ways that people inside this community are willing to, to step up and aid people that may have uh, transportation issues to assist with getting them there. Um, but Saul is a free experience for veterans and first responders. Uh, it's at no cost to the first responder or veteran, but it's my understanding that uh, to provide this to them, it, it costs about $3,500, which is why we continue to raise money for this program. I'm not going to Delbert. I'm not going to try to do the math because that was definitely not one of my strong suits, but trying to raise a half million dollars, $3,500 a piece. I mean, you're getting a lot of first responders and military vets help if you're able to pull that off. That's incredible. Yeah, I, I really hope that we're able to hit this ambitious goal. I, I don't have too many reservations about the, uh, the, the level of support and people that we have involved. Uh, half million dollars should put roughly 143 veterans and first responders through that program. You did the math for me. Thank you. Yeah. And I, to me, you know, sometimes we make half million dollars sound like a lot. Right. But if we look at what the life insurance payout is on a veteran or first responder, we're talking about one or two veterans in terms of life insurance. These guys that, that could falter to, to suicide or give in on the job 
uh, just with the, the mental tenacity and the, the things that come with it. So when, when we take that in respects of uh, everything else, to, to be able to take the same monetary amount and impact 143 people um, and know that that's direct. But they say that the, the suicide impacts like 130 some odd people around the one suicide individual. So like-minded, I have to believe that if we're improving a quality of life and 143 people, that each one of those 143 people will be surrounded by 130 plus individuals whose lives will also improve as this one person begins their healing journey. That's awesome. I can't applaud you enough, man. I mean, amazing job. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing how you do, but I do want to get you out of here. I want to have a little bit of fun if you don't mind. I've got, it's called a 25 live, even though it's technically a 25 pre-recorded, but I've got 25 questions for you. Not that we're right. going to go through each one. These are just random kind of fun, silly stuff uh, to get to know more about you. So um, if you will, just tell me a number and I'll pick off of here. We'll go through some of these and I'll get you out of here. Is it two? Number two. All right. This is important. Toilet paper holder. Is it going over or under? Over. All right. That is that answer is correct. <laughs> my wife would my wife would argue, but she's not here, so you're correct. So, uh, how about another one? Uh, let's let's roll with seven. Everybody picks seven. Everybody. All right. So, get let you think a little bit. What is something popular now, but everyone will look back five years from now? and think it's dumb or embarrassing hmm. i don't know i don't know popular I, now. I need to get rid of that question or just put something else in number seven because that gets picked every time maybe social media you think seven. social media is on the on the downhill or is it going to continue dank life i don't know i mean i I feel like I use it just as much as I had before. Although I miss MySpace. There you go. See, they you were, got the see you're close enough to my age. Like I always knew Tom was there for me. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> How about another one? Uh, how about 13? Is that another popular one? No. Yeah, so somewhat, but it's a good one. I like this one. A favorite movie favorite movie um man he's, he's he's looking for all his movies ladies and gentlemen I, I i was looking for the remote because i just watched one and i, I don't uh what is it the um i'll go with training day that's a good one i'm a big denzel washington fan so like anything with Denzel is safe. It, that that's a little off kilter. But I was watching our one. He done one on the the debate team, but I forget the title of it that I watched recently. Not sure about that one. I do really know good. Training Day. Yeah. Do you know Training Day? Um, I'll pick one for you. Uh, just one I I like. Um, favorite album. Favorite album. I don't even think I know an album name. There, there's a lot of uh, musicians and stuff like that. Let's see. You got, okay, so you're, you're driving your car. You got one CD that you're going to play. 
What is that CD? We'll ask it that way. Uh, probably Otis Redding. There you go. Yeah, old school man. I, I was I like. Uh, he's got he's got but, some soul. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I love uh, some Otis, some Sam Cooke, Al Green, Marvin Gaye, all that stuff. Wow. Okay. So then follow up when you're, when you're riding, when you're on your bicycle, are you listening to anything or are you just kind of in your own mind, just riding? Sometimes now Nicholas, the, the other veteran that rides with me, he'll probably laugh when he hears this because last year, like seeing how we're traveling light, we don't carry extra battery packs and chargers and stuff with us. We have to make best use of our battery time on our phones. And uh, sometimes I'll get to play music, but I'll sing out loud. And uh, sometimes he calls cadence and stuff like that. So it gets a little goofy on the road. You know, you get a little lucid over a course of days, pedaling 45 miles plus a day with uh, virtually no time for muscle recovery and stuff like the, the mind starts playing tricks with us. We sing. Yeah, we'll listen to a little bit of music and uh, the playlist fluctuates too. So nice, nice. All right, I'm going to do one more here. Let's try to th think of a good one. All right. I could, again, I have the pleasure of seeing you. Everybody else gets to just listen to you. Do you have, I know you got tattoos. They're there. Do you have a favorite tattoo? I don't. Uh, so I, I actually don't like my tattoos that much. Um, I, I got tattoos when I was a lot younger, um, and it is, is kind of a, a vice for me with trauma response as a way for me to self-inflict pain because the physical pain helped numb the emotional pain, the stuff I couldn't sit with at the time. Um, so it, it was a form of artistic self-expression and stuff like that is how I viewed it. And man, did I get them everywhere, and now I just got to live with them. But I can't really say that there's a favorite, you know. Uh, I accept them for what they are and hope that people accept me for what I am and uh, see beyond the ink. <laughs> nice. Now, I mean, I don't have, you got them shown on the arms. Um, all mine are hidden. So I've, I feel right. the same way. It's been, gosh, 15, 16, 17 years. It was a matter of me getting that, that first job, getting paid way too much too early and doing dumb shit like that. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> me too i feel you there all right well i'll get you out of here uh again i appreciate uh you coming on the show i'm, I'm so thankful you you told your story and i'm excited to to see you again florida tallahassee florida too is it malibu california yeah semi valley right outside of malibu there it sounds a little bit better than ohio to saying We'll see. Hopefully the weather holds up and is just as good because we're going, uh, we'll be headed all the way to South Texas, uh, down by Corpus Christi, then coming back up the middle of Texas and, uh, cutting back West. But, uh, September, hopefully we, we have some good weather and safe travels and I'm really excited to put the work in it. It's, uh, with extreme passion that I'm willing to give it all away and, uh, be of service, you know, and I'm thankful for what has been given to me. I appreciate you having me on, Jim. Of course, of course. And then as soon as you get there and you're ready to get off your diet, in and out burger. In and out. <laughs> have you ever had one? I no, I have not. I've been to California several times, but I've never been to In and Out. I hear that there's a competition between the 
the Whataburger that we have here and the In-N-Out. But Delbert, there's it's no competition. <laughs> when you get there and you try that, you let me know and you just go, yeah, there's no competition, Jim. You're right. In and out. I'm taking your word for it. I'm going. You should. You should. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> Gosh, I'm an idiot. But anyway. You're Delbert and I'm Jim and we're out of time. Uh, to all my listeners, I'll, I'll have a show for you next week, but uh, Delbert, again, thanks. Again. I appreciate it. Thank you, brother.